It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. And my name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful owner of KWAM Radio, and I'm sitting with my friend, my attorney, my co-host of this estate planning essentials, strategies, complications, whatever the word is, program, and his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Once again, like you, carefully seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. That's why we're here today. That's why you're here. You've been sitting with me now. I've been sitting with you for many, many years, and you've been doing this show now. Are we coming up on a decade? Yeah, it's getting to be close to it, almost. A decade. That's great. And I, I noticed listening the other day, because we play encore broadcast for the audience, so in case they missed the the live show or when the show is not necessarily live, but when it's airing during the day. And I listen to myself and I listen to you and I have lots of excitement and effervescence in my voice when we talk, because I'm always so excited to hear what you're going to teach us today. Um, and today is no exception. And today, even though it's about something that doesn't apply to everyone, it may one day, and that's the whole point of this show, to prepare for the future so that things are protected, your assets, your desires, your wishes. And you want to talk about Medicaid and perhaps transfer exceptions. Yeah, so this is going to be uh, long-term care Medicaid. Okay. Um, this is, you know, there's 109 Medicaid programs, each yeah. with their own rules. Amazing. I don't think we're going to have time to go through them all today. No, sir. Maybe 108. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but usually uh, the problem is that a lot of people don't have long-term care insurance or they have inadequate income to pay for cost of care or have inadequate resources. I know, uh, quite frankly, I'm uh, on the board of a nursing home, and the cost uh, per month is over $10,000. And so a lot of, it's just think if you had, you know, were ill for, let's say you had some sort of dementia or something like Mm -hmm. that, uh, it could be, you could be in the facility for years. When we started doing the show, you taught me in the audience the cost was less than 5000 yeah, Now yeah. you're telling us, here we are, fast forward, it's twice the price. Yeah, and things are only going to go up. I mean, right. the cost of labor goes up. You know, inflation, I anticipate that Social Security is, you know, say it's going to go 8 to 10% higher. Of course, your Medicare Part B premium will probably go as much as right. so it's not like you're going to be ahead net. Right. But everything's going higher. Uh, uh, I mean, if you ask people who rent, uh, I bet you their things are a lot higher than they had been in before. Uh, of course, we've seen recently, although gas prices is, uh, were really high in the middle of the summer, they've been better lately. Of course, OPEC just changed the uh, – uh, is cutting supply, so our prices will go up again. But mm-hmm. uh, but in any event, things keep on getting more expensive. Everything gets more expensive. Yeah. It always seems to be that way anyway. It so does. as a result – if you don't have the adequate insurance or 
uh, adequate resources, people look to other sources. Now, unfortunately, it's means-tested. In other words, uh, if you're trying to get a governmental benefit, you have to go by their rules. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they have an anti-fraud provision that if you make a transfer that is less than fair market value, then they think you did it on purpose if it's done within five years. Now, the rules are different on different Medicaid programs, I should mention. So, for example, the nursing home Medicaid-type program, uh, they look at the average cost of a nursing home, and then they divide that into the amount of the uncompensated transfer, or what most people think of as a gift, but it could be something just for less than fair market value, to determine how many days of ineligibility from the date that you're otherwise eligible. Okay, so what does that mean in English? They have a five-year look-back period. So if you made a transfer four years ago to your child, it could be a disqualifying event. Now, it's going to, but there are some exceptions to the rules. First, there are specific exceptions regarding the home. All right, so let's talk about that, and then we'll talk about some of the other exceptions, whether it's just cash or whatever. Great. So if you're married, they allow you to transfer from one spouse to the other. Now, that gets into a kind of an issue sometimes with title companies because some title companies would say, well, how are you going to transfer uh, your interest from one spouse to the other when under the Texas Constitution, uh, a spouse, a surviving spouse, always has a life estate? So, you're, so you always have a life estate, so how are you going to transfer your interest? A lot of times we do a deed with marital partition. Well, that means that it's the sole and separate property. Of course, there's still a life estate. So if you're at Texas, a community property state. Uh, so sometimes we do uh, this deed, and why? Um, if you have a will and you wanted to sell property, if the well spouse, quote-unquote, dies, then if you sold that home, uh, the will could have a special needs trust, which is a trust that doesn't count for Medicaid if properly drafted. So now you could use the, since there's no transfer penalty between spouses, then if it the house goes to the spouse who ends up dying first, now those proceeds could be put in a trust without spend down. Uh, when I say spend down, if the, commu- the spouse that, uh, excuse me, that's in the institution, the nursing home, has more than 2000 when they apply after the quote-unquote well spouse dies, uh, then they would not be eligible for Medicaid. Now, a home doesn't count, uh, but then the home's subject to a state recovery, which means that the state would have a right to make a claim against the home to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Uh, so if the home is transferred to the spouse and the spouse died, they sold the home, then the proceeds could be used for the benefit of the surviving spouse that was disabled and it would not be subject to spend out. So that's why we sometimes do it. By the way, when you do a deed with marital partition, both spouses have to sign the deed. Hmm. And so we actually add a partition, a small partition, like a postnuptial agreement, a paragraph that basically says we transfer the interest to the well spouse. Now, a lot of times we don't do it because sometimes, because uh, we know that a lot of title companies uh, would have a problem um, because of the life estate issue. So uh, we had to. Some we have certain title companies that we might talk to who might say, "Yeah, we accept." It's just like on uh, Lady Bird D, which we'll talk about on another show uh, in a couple weeks. 
there are certain title companies that don't require um, even the letter from the state withdrawing a claim because they feel like they could insure because they know it was done right. So a lot of times on, it's not the law, it's what a title company is willing to insure. So uh, so you have to kind of look take that in consideration as really too. Do. All right, so that's a tra- transfer to a spouse who lives at home is an exception. An- another is a transfer to a minor child, but I have no reason. I have never used that because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why you transfer a home to a child who's a minor. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't even have capacity, so why would you do that? But it is an exception to the rules, but I will tell you I've never done it. Transfers to an adult disabled child. Well, that could be okay. Um because for several reasons, uh, now you got to remember too. You always have to consider the some tax issues as well. When you make a transfer of a highly appreciated asset, then the the one who receives the asset takes the basis of the one who makes the gift. Mm. So if that person sold the the asset, they'll have to pay capital gains tax on the appreciation, unless it's their own homestead. In this case. Um, and and so that could be a problem, uh, especially if it's not going to be a homestead. The second um, uh, now a homestead, you get a, up to a two hundred fifty thousand dollar gain if you're live there two out of the last five years. If you're single, if you're married, you can have up to a five hundred thousand dollar gain without capital gains tax. And if somebody holds a property till their death, let's say it's a married couple, Texas is a community property state, so there's what's called a full step-up in basis. In other words, the value as the date of the first spouse to die, they'll have a new adjustment of the basis. So now the surviving spouse would only have to pay capital gains tax if they lived there two out of the last five years for any $250,000, anything more than 250000 after if they'd lived there two out of five years. And you can do that? Every time you sell a home, or just one time, you could if if it's in any time you could do that. So it used to be, uh, you're going back to the old law. I am. Yeah, the old law was that there was restrictions, like you were saying. Uh, it was 125 thousand way back when, and uh, so there you did have that type of restriction. But now, uh, it's as long as it's your homestead, and as long as you've lived there too out of the last five years, you have up to a 250 thousand dollar gain if you're single. $500,000 gain if you're married, and if one spouse dies, you get a step up to the value. And that's uh, for Texas, but not necessarily for other states? Um, or do we yeah, know? it's not necessarily for other states. Okay. In fact, uh, if you're uh, – and by the way, it, you get a step in basis if you die for any beneficiary. I should mention that. Okay. But, yes, in some states, let's say you're not a community property state, uh, you might get what I guess you'd say a half step up. Hmm. half to the value, half of it, because there's a couple. And so they do it different ways in different states. And even different community property states do different things a little bit differently. I'm not licensed in those other states, so I'm not going to you know, say anything particular about any particular state. But generally, you're right. In, a, in the majority of states, they don't do it like we do here in Texas. Okay. It's a, a tax advantage for being a, the way we treat it. Uh, as a community property state, so that's a good thing mm-hmm. uh, here. We, of course, we're tax friendly, uh, and that's a, a very positive thing. Now, there are certain things that are not as good. Um, uh, of course, in the Medicaid world, there's lots of different things which 
I could tell you in a different show, but I don't think I'd have that time today. Okay. Uh, third thing I'm going to mention. Oh, on the disabled child, I should also mention that you know. When you're over 65, you get a homestead exemption uh, that you have lower property taxes. Well, if you're disabled, also you get a exemption. So you'd have to look at the situation. And one other thing I got to mention is if the disabled child um, was on a Medicaid program themselves, then it could be a problem if it wasn't their homestead. And even if it was their homestead, it might be a problem because they have such limited uh, income uh, and assets. So the only way, that, the only time it really makes more sense to transfer to a disabled child, or I shouldn't say only, but then usually the situation would be if the person was on Social Security disability. Mm-hmm. Social Security disability is not means tested. That mm-hmm. means that you worked for a period of time, you did, became disabled, whether it's through work or otherwise, and you could no longer be substantially gainfully employed. Well, there, there's no limit on income or assets. So if you transfer to that child, then you just have to look at the uh, the tax situation. If has there been much appreciation, and is it going to be their homestead? Okay. So, so transfers to a disabled child. Uh, we we had. Um, uh, I remember one time we had a situation where the disabled child was on Social Security disability. I say child. Uh, the child was uh, 63 years old. The parent was uh, on going to apply for long-term care Medicaid, and the child needed money even though he's on Social Security disability. So, and they didn't want to wait. It's not like today where you sell a home almost immediately. Uh, it took a while to sell a home, mm-hmm. if you could remember that far back. I can't. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so he we transferred the home. Uh, the kid. It was the kid's. Home, but then he took a. What he did was he took a reverse mortgage uh, on the property. So because he needed cash, he didn't want to sell the home. So he once you're 62, you could do a reverse mortgage. So that way he could use some cash uh, by the use that transfer to disabled child exception, and that uh, did it. Very good. This program is full of triggers. You triggered me, so I hope you're prepared for the next loaded question. But is Alzheimer's a disability? Well, it depends on how bad. Really? Uh, yeah. I expect that yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if you're in the early stages, uh, you're not, you you might not be bad enough. You know, okay. can you be substantially gainfully employed? Are you, are you talking about for social security disability or for disabled for even skilled care? True. So, so even when you go to a nursing home, they have an evaluation, and this is always the most difficult thing to even tell people, because every every family says, "Oh, there's definitely a medical necessity." So when you go into a nursing home for Medicaid eligibility, if you or I uh, went into a nursing home. He said, oh, man, I'd like to have, if, even if we had zero assets and zero income, I'd like to have that free room and board. Uh, they say, well, you know, you're really okay. You're not that bad off mm-hmm. medically. Uh, at least you're, I could say that about you. I'm not so certain about myself. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, uh, but they do an evaluation. And if the person might just need assisted living, that's not bad enough. And it's really hard line to, to determine when there's, or at least for me, uh, I just leave it to the director of nurses who may look at medical records and stuff like that. They're supposed to look at a whole bunch of different things. 
So uh, it's even on like legal documents, uh, you don't know uh, a lot of times if somebody has a sufficient mental capacity. They may have early Alzheimer's, but that doesn't mean that may not not have capacity to execute different legal documents. It's and so usually when we have a question, we have a doctor sign an affidavit swearing their. Uh, was it, there was capacity or there wasn't, so that if there was some sort of issue in the future. Uh, I had somebody, uh, frankly, uh, I don't know if he'll be listening here today, but I asked him, uh, I said, who is the president right now? And the response was Walter Mondale. And I said, I think I'll leave it up to the doctor. Yes, to exactly. Good answer. <laughs> and to my surprise, the doctor said he had capacity. Now, there was other things yeah. that he may be with his disability, it so is. he seemed to be okay on different things. Right. But I I can't make that. I want a specialist in the mind to make that decision. Now, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> what could I say? Yeah. You know, I told you years ago I asked the question. I've told this on the air once before about I asked somebody when, when um, uh, there was Hillary Clinton uh, versus Donald Trump on, on the day of election, and I asked – the uh, client, who's an older lady, I said, can you tell me who's running for president today? And she stopped and thought for a second, and she said, a jerk and a crook. <laughs> I thought she had capacity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's interesting because you make me think that that individual who said Walter Moundale is one who doesn't necessarily remember the past, but he know he's organized. He can drive to the grocery store and back with no problem, so he can make current decisions for what he wants with his estate. Yeah, no, yeah. So, so you know, I did, def, def, you know, uh, ask him different things, and I thought, well, okay. I understand. I said, I'm not going to make this evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be too. Um, this is not for me. I mean, if, if you had asked me, uh, I would say, well, I don't know. Uh, if just answering that question by the answer that I got, mm-hmm. I would say, well, maybe there's a lack of capacity. But I said, you know what? When there's a questionable situation, I'm going to let the professional in that area who specializes in the mind, not just any doctor, we're talking about geriatric psychiatrist or psychologist or neurologist or whatever who specializes in the mind, I'll let them. Now, we tell them about there's different levels of capacity. So uh, the capacity for doing a gift is greater than is needed for doing a will. Understood. You know, um, we talk about this nefarious disease called Alzheimer's. You have become the chair of the Dallas chapter of the Alzheimer's organization. So congratulations again for that. Well-deserved. Uh, I don't know where you find the time to do things like that, but you do. Uh, it's amazing to me that you can take that on like that on top of all your speaking engagements, uh, your job, your family, whom you love and adore um, very admirably, in my opinion. So I, I think it's wonderful. Um, the walk to try to find the cure is not October like it is for other diseases. Um, it's November. It's November the 5th, and Michael's Marchers is going to be walking on that day. Yeah, it's, and I hope that some of y'all will join us. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. It's usually great weather at that time. Mm-hmm. Still very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be a little bit crisp. It's not a long walk. Don't worry about that. Uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of different people. You're right. It's no, the morning of November 5th at City Plaza. I hope you will join us. Mm-hmm. There is. We've talked about on prior recent shows, there's a lot of good things 
things happening. Um, and as I, I told you secretly, that there's anticipation of a lot more good things to happen. Great. Uh, that we anticipate results will be coming uh, in the in either the end of the year or the beginning of next year. That they're doing some different research. Uh, uh, that we hope they'll have some good results. My wife was just watching um, uh, a Japanese station. You know, um, uh, she feels like a lot of times people say, you know, if you either watch CNN or Fox, it may not be. It's prejudiced one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she wanted to look at something independent. And while we were watching, she was watching that, she showed me this thing where uh, they had this, uh, they had come up with this smell test. I mean, it, it, that sounds kind of funny. They do the smell test. But when you, it, it could kind of be an early indication of when somebody has Alzheimer's by their def, by their, there's some way that they could tell what you're noticing different smells. So every day it seems like uh, they're having different things to get a, a awareness of uh, earlier detection or different things like the one that was a couple weeks ago uh, where they said, okay, we might be able to get you back to, at least at early stages, to be more independent. Uh, those results will be at the, uh, should be at the end of November. Right. That'll be the, it'll be, and there it's on the fast track for FDA approval. Fantastic. So uh, a lot of different things are in the works and a lot of other things that have not been publicized. So it's going to happen, but only with your help. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I appreciate KWM, uh, what a gen- how generous y'all have been. We look forward to you um, being a part of Michael's Marchers as well. Uh, it, it, it's so we really appreciate because uh, only with you and with the help of so many others that we'll find an end uh, to this disease and make the world a better place. I couldn't agree more. The challenge is to understand the disease, and then the call to action is to serve. Serve God and serve man and serve people who are disabled, who are challenged, who have issues, and perhaps this falls in under that umbrella. And so please attempt the Alzheimer's Walk. Go with Michael's Marchers on November the 5th. Join. I'll be there. Michael will be there. We're going to walk together. I might bring my dog Oreo. He likes to walk, too. He likes people. He likes doggies. So that kind of thing. So uh, sign up. Go to it's alzheimers.org slash Dallas chapter. Is that what it is? Well, you could do that. Or if you go on my website, which is dallaselderlawyer.com, you could join our particular team, Dallas elderlawyer.com or like you say you could do the Alzheimer's Association. Okay, excellent. And then the other call to action is to consider all the things Michael's saying regarding transfer exceptions for Medicaid. This is complicated and the goal is to understand what your options are and to make certain that you know currently what the laws and rules are and Michael knows them like the front, back, and side of his hand. The best way to understand your circumstances is to attend his next free in-person workshop. That's how that's how you get to know better exactly what you need to do to write the ship to make certain your plans are fulfilled when you're alive and when you pass away. Again, that's Thursday, November 3rd at 10 o'clock. And Michael, tell them about the workshop briefly. We ask people what they want to know. It's usually about either estate planning or Medicaid. It's whatever anybody wants to know. We, of course, you see even here today is a little bit about Medicaid and a little bit more in depth. Mm-hmm. But we also have to talk about tax situations. And it could also make a difference on your estate. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of goes together. So we ask people 
what they want to know. We write it down on the board. You see the questions that other people ask that you not, may not even thought about. And then uh, we answer that in those two hours of that free estate planning essentials workshop. Uh, to attend, and we do have a little bit of a presentation, of course, as well, just to get some basics so that people have an understanding about estate planning. To go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102, or go to my website, the same website that we mentioned for the Alzheimer's Walk. You could also sign up, uh, so you could get a twofer there, rare. <laughs> uh, just uh, go to Dallas Elder lawyer.com that's dallas elderlawyer.com i hope you'll sign up for the free estate planning essential workshop uh, where we could whether it be about medicaid or estate planning or whatever and if you want to join michael's marchers there'll be another spot on the uh, website that you could join as well very good again that's thursday november the third at 10 o'clock or another one that month for people who can't come during the week which is saturday morning November the 19th at 10 o'clock. About two minutes left, Michael, on Medicaid, please. Wow, there's so many more different things that I haven't discussed. Uh, I'll just mention some briefly some different things. A child who's taking care of a parent for two years uh, who was prevented institutionalization could be an exception to the transfer penalty rules on the home. Uh, if you have a brother or sister who has an equity interest in the home, then that's an exception to the rules. Uh, if you have what's called a ladybird deed or enhanced life estate deed or transfer on debt deed, that's another exception. It's not a transfer penalty. Uh, again, uh, if there's also certain types of trust that you could do, uh, if you have a disabled child, let's say they're on uh, social security disability, you could have what's called a sole benefits trust. Yeah, for any, it, it could be anybody if they're under 65, but if it's your child, uh, it, it could be anybody, period, uh, that's a, uh, for a child, that is. You could be of any age. Uh, the... Uh, there's, if you, of course, if you sell something for fair market value, it's not a problem. And if there was some reason you did it other than to qualify for Medicaid, you have to rebut the presumption. Uh, but if you made a gift four or five years ago and it was you're perfectly fine then, then you could kind of rebut the presumption uh, that it was done for purposes of qualifying for Medicaid. Uh, you know, but if you already had some of that dementia, then that would be that you talked about earlier. They say, well, you knew you'd been diagnosed, and then that might be a problem. Well, there's there's a lot of different ones that mm -hmm. I, I haven't mentioned. I know I'm running low on time. Like a pre-need funeral doesn't count. Uh, if if you did it for something for fair market value, obviously that's not going to be a problem. So there are different exceptions to the rules, and, and it, it's really important to know because. You know, if you don't have long-term care insurance, and especially if you're older, then you have to know what the exceptions are so that you could you could say, oh, what? And, and by the way, there are if you if if you're okay, there could be different things you could do to plan to do transfers. So it's not only what are the problems if you make a transfer, but also what are the strategies that you can do to purposely transfer if just like on tax planning uh, there's times when people want to make gifts well similarly for public benefits planning uh, it's the same idea so you have to consider both tax issues as well as public benefits 
benefits issues, the older you get, especially if you don't have insurance or adequate income or resources, the more of a need for planning. Excellent. Thank you. Michael's not a tax planner. He's not a financial advisor, but he thinks of probably everything you might not, uh, and you can't find it on Google. You need to find it in Michael's head. The way to find it is to attend next workshop. Thank you for attending that. There's two of them in November, so go to Michael's work, website, that is, DallasElderLawyer.com, to sign up. Our Dallas Elder Lawyer, Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.